On this week's episode, Marvel howls at the moon with Werewolf by Night. Star Trek beams into the New York Comic Con. And what's the future for CD Projekt Red? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos and PopCultureCosmos.com, where we cover the latest news and trends of pop culture each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there on Facebook. Plus, if you can go ahead and take care of us at The Happy Hoarder, Josh Peterson's not here today, but he would just appreciate it so much if you could help support his cause at The Happy Hoarder on Facebook. Let's go ahead and check out what we're doing today, like I said, at the Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can support all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend or without a good friend. He is returning to us once again from the land of Mordor, where it's rumored Jeff Bezos threw him a ton of cash to be the next Sauron. Will he be the next Sauron? find out in upcoming episodes of the lord of the rings the rings of power but he's a good man indeed you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today for us here at pop culture cosmos or dig on america whenever he stops by for his guest appearance on there it is my good friend it is tj johnson tj great to have you back what's up double g what's up gg how you doing man all right, man, but you know, everybody's saying, okay, this person's Sauron. Oh, this person's Sauron. Oh, this person's Sauron. Oh, that person's I just figured Jeff Truck, you know, he gave he you probably, a call. Yeah, he probably yeah, he hit me up. He hit me up. I had to I had to decline though. I will say I okay. had to decline. I did have to decline. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sure there's a lot of money involved though, that's for sure. But you know what, Gerald, it's not about the money. It's not okay. about the money. All it's right. Well, it was all about the money when the Tolkien estate took it from Amazon to go ahead and create this show. Well, you know, I can't speak for them. I can only speak to my values. Joe. Okay. Only, and, then, speak to mine. and then sold the IP again for another $2 billion <laughs> on top of that. So, you know, it's all about the money there. But Apparently, that's not why I'm not rich. So that's, it's not all about the money to me. So that's okay. why I'm not You're rich. You're rich in love. You're rich in appreciation. <laughs> You're rich in, in our hearts here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll say that, my friend. And you're rich in pop culture, of course. Ah, so, amen. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. There you go. <laughs> but it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including Werewolf by Night. I got a chance to see it. What are my thoughts on Marvel's tribute to the old horror movies of the day? We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Plus, also as well, yes, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, Episode 8. We will talk about that, about what was created, and also who was actually awake at the bottom of the mines of Moria. We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. My friend here loves, absolutely <laughs> loves House of the Dragon. I so I want to ask him, as someone who loves House of the Dragon, is he cool with all the time jumps? That's coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, the latest controversy out on the internet is Mario. We talked about it a little bit on Friday's show. Is he cool with Chris Pratt as Mario? That's coming up as well. Want to go ahead and mention as well on the back end of the show, we will be going ahead and talking about something that doesn't get a whole lot of love, but is now coming out in its third iteration. And that is Travis Touchdown and No More Heroes 3. Should we give some more love to No More Heroes? And why is there a third version of this? That we'll talk about in a bit. And speaking of video games, we'll close out the show with the future of CD Projekt Red. They have a lot of stuff on the table that they announced to their shareholders. We'll talk about why the future looks bright for CD Projekt Red, even after what happened with Cyberpunk 2077. And we'll talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, a couple big topics to talk about on the front end, which is starting off with New York Comic Con. And 
it is growing in popularity. It is growing with interest. A lot of IPs and a lot of pop culture Star Wars and pop culture foundational pieces are actually uh, stopping by there. There was Walking Dead. There was a whole bunch of other TV shows and movies out there. But the big showcase was on Saturday for Star Trek and that IP on Paramount Plus and also on Nickelodeon because they debuted new trailers for the upcoming season of Star Trek Discovery, season five. They also debuted another trailer for Star Trek Picard, season three, which is garnering a lot of interest because it's reuniting much of the TNG cast. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are excited about that. And also as well, we shouldn't forget Star Trek Prodigy, which also debuted a trailer for the second half of season one for that amazing kids show, which hopefully will, as we talked about before on the program, talked about how hopefully this show will entertain and introduce to a young audience the world of Star Trek and hopefully will able to grow their love for Star Trek going in the decades in the future. So it's not just for the now that they're planning, but Star Trek is also planning for its future with this show. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. New York City Comic Con, again, a growing and budding new Comic Con or newer, I should say, compared to some of the older Comic Cons of Slate, but it is because of its sheer size becoming more and more important. Your thoughts on New York Comic Con and, of course, the foundation that was set on Saturday by Star Trek. I tell you what, if this is a if this is a return to form for Comic Cons, and this is pretty awesome. Uh, I, I was never. Gee, we've talked about this. I'd be remiss if I didn't admit that I was never a huge Star Trek fan. My mm-hmm. my love was Star Wars, right? I didn't get into Star Trek until J.J. Abrams back in 2008 with the first new iteration of the Star Trek films. Um, and then obviously it's the on second Netflix. one. It's on Netflix. And I own the DVDs. I've, I've been a huge fan of those films. And that in itself got me more interested into Star Trek. So saying all that to say... This stuff looked really good. Like, this is very, very movie-like quality with what we're seeing here. Now, of course, I'm familiar with TNG. I'm familiar with uh, that version of Star Trek. So I'm familiar with Picard. I understand what's going on uh, to a degree. But to see these guys come back, um, I know that we're in this... We're in this renaissance right now of wanting to bring the old and mix it with the new and create something special for prior generations, current generations, and future generations to come, which I am 100% for because what it can do is it can bridge the gap. There's so much that divides us, age, race, politics, so many other things going on that seeing these type of things is actually a lot of fun. That's why I enjoyed Spider-Man when he brought in all the different Spider-Men of the last 10 years because it hasn't been that long. Or that's why I enjoyed this idea of The Flash, if it ever comes out, bringing Michael Keaton's Batman with Ben Affleck's Batman with Ezra Miller and their version of The Flash. I'm excited to see these type of scenarios play out. So being able to see how they're bringing all these 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 characters back that a lot of us have grown to grown up with a lot of us have grown to love uh, have shared experiences with um as far as just being there when the characters are going through things it's a lot of fun and it's a it's a it's a very surreal experience to be able to be a part of so after seeing all these different things i mean new look for discovery um again the the the, the next season of picard there's a lot going on, man. And it, it's it's an exciting time, one, for Comic-Con. It's exciting for Comic-Con because we're, we're, we're getting back to, I hate new normal. I'm, I'm tired of people saying new normal. But I, we're getting back to uh, being able to enjoy those kind of things again. And then we're getting back to getting back out there and allowing ourselves an opportunity to be social again. And, and this has been just a huge, huge part uh, this Saturday was just nuts. So I'm, I'm excited to see what else comes out of it this weekend. But as far as Star Trek specifically, it's all looking really, really good. Obviously I'm a fan, I'm a fan of Sonequa Martin green from the walking dead. Um, I'm a huge fan of hers. Uh, so her being the first black captain, a female black captain to get a on on this uh, in Star Trek in general. It's just a lot of fun, man. It's, and and on top of that, it's a great series. Forget the fact you take away the fact that she's black. Take away the fact that she's a woman. This is just a great series. And when you can strip all that other stuff away and still enjoy it for what it is, that's all. That that and to me, that's the characteristics of a Hallmark show. So I'm I'm excited. 
to see where it goes. I'm excited to see the trailers that are coming out, the little still shots, the person on the motorcycle riding through the dust storm. This stuff looks great, man. I'm 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 really looking forward to it. And I was never a huge Star Trek guy, but this stuff is I mean, they're starting to look I don't want to say better than Star Wars, but it's actually starting to look like they're garnering more excitement to me. I mean, obviously Star Wars has the lightsabers and the Force and Star Trek never went that route. So naturally it wasn't as exciting for the kids or exciting to watch or exciting to to play as right because you don't have the lightsabers you don't have that stuff but this stuff this right here looks really good really really good so as a grown-up i'm excited i can tell you again with star trek they're now doing a lot of things right that they weren't doing before Mm. discovery was the first step five years ago and it's something that they were going about in a slow but methodical manner as far as getting back the star trek brand after some lull years after the third jj abrams star trek film that kind of did eh at the box office mm-hmm. so they kind of just left it alone for a couple of years brought out discovery soon thereafter and then that has evolved into something a little bit better and a little bit better each and every year Got off to a little bit of a shaky start, but has gone to be one of the better entries in the Star Trek universe. Then leading into Star Trek Picard, then leading into Star Trek Prodigy. And then with the huge momentum from this year's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which has garnered massive acclaim and also just been a a barrel of fun to watch. And actually one of this year's best television shows that's out there. Now Star Trek is on a barrel of momentum that mm-hmm. is keeping on going with hopefully a good season five of star trek discovery and where it's going from there so hopefully now that the foundation's been laid out now for the for the present for people that are now getting into it it's become a cornerstone of paramount plus as far as the star trek ip is concerned and then of course like i said the future is laid out with star trek prodigy for folks that want to see these things as far as kids that are now being introduced into the world and the universe of star trek so it's a great sign that that things are now getting a lot better for the star trek universe Mm -hmm. still can't find themselves a director because the director did leave for the star trek movie that was being planned so he left Mm -hmm. to go do fantastic four so hopefully on the moving end they still can get their act (laughs) together it's one at least one more time i'd love to see one more go around for the kelvin with chris pine and zachary and all that zoe saldana yeah all that as far as carl urban Mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get a chance to see one more go around kind of up in the air right now but at least on the tv end of it things are looking good for star trek yeah absolutely and i i think uh to to your point about the the fourth movie i think i think they deserve the chance to go out on a higher note than what the last star trek film did for them i, I think they deserve that i, I I'm, I'm a huge fan like i said huge fan of the kelvin crew that was my introduction to chris hemsworth that was my not my introduction to chris pine but my first time watching and actually paying attention to who Chris Pine is. Um, obviously not my first introduction to Zoe Saldana or Carl Urban or any of those guys, but it doesn't change the fact that that was my intro to that universe, that world. And uh, it was just exciting. So I think they deserve an opportunity to go out uh, on a higher note than what they did. And what's interesting though, is that the last beacon of the universe that they have not yet been able to go ahead and discover is a, box office smash meaning a true 700 800 900 1 billion box office smash they've never been able to get that i mean into darkness worldwide is the biggest one ever and it's only barely above the original star trek reboot now the fact that star trek reboot that you saw and i've seen that was much beloved is actually one of the most watched movies of the last decade on television it was rerun constantly on TNT. It was rerun mm-hmm. constantly on other outlets. So it got mm-hmm. syndicated out there. So everybody has seen it by now. So hopefully that's a good sign that maybe something within the Kelvin universe can be done. But hopefully they'll be able to discover a hit box office movie at some point down the line. Yeah, that billion mark. I don't I don't know, but that's that's a lofty goal for Star Trek. I but, mean, again, uh, 700, 800 million. I, that's still. Yeah, again, you know, for them to not have you have to remember for them to be able to make that kind of money, the, for the people to come see that they have to want to bring their children. They have to want to bring their, the, their children's friends and the star Trek universe. While it's not anti-kid, I don't want to make it seem like that at all. 
it does not lean itself towards marketing for children. Well, that's why Star Star Trek Prodigy is exactly the ticket for it. So absolutely, five <laughs> ten years down the line, they will be yes more for for kids. Yes, so. absolutely. So, what are your thoughts out there on Star Trek as it debuted? A lot of trailers at New York's Comic Con. Just a great time in New York Comic Con. Again, The Walking Dead, Star Trek, and so many other entities went ahead and graced themselves at this awesome, burgeoning, growing, awesome, kind of uh, newer, not new, but kind of newer New York Comic Con. Go ahead and share us your thoughts on Star Trek and its future. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, the box office was not exactly thrilling for some. Smile has been very, you know, you can smile, my friend, because Smile actually retained a uh, just a sensational sensational amount of its holdover from one week to the next i think probably in the neighborhood of 78 to 80 percent of its audience from one weekend to the next actually garnering 17 to 18 million dollars at the box office here in the u.s and it's actually doing okay worldwide the thing is though in this while the smile and this low budget horror flick as we say on this show all the time, it's probably one of the best bets in movie making because, my gosh, you make it for $15 million, $20 million, mm-hmm. and it gets it back in spades before it even hits television. So these low-budget horror flicks seem to be the trick, especially around October. Unfortunately, what's not the trick are several movies out there in the past two months that have garnered low box office performances Don't worry, darling, even with all of its controversy and a decent $20 million start has basically just fallen off a cliff since then. And it has even doubled its money here in the U.S., still not even pushing $40 million as of yet. Then you have Amsterdam, which couldn't even get even into barely the top. It couldn't even get in the top three because it unfortunately got wasted by not only Smile, but Lyle Lyle Crocodile. (laughs) <laughs> with, a, with one of the, and I said this on Friday, just a, a sensational cast: Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Christian Bale. You've got Robert De Niro. You've got a ton of people that are well known in this universe, and it flopped hard at the box office. Then you have Bros last week, which came out the gay rom com, which did have a great amount of critical acclaim. Unfortunately, also tanked miserably at the box office as well so you've had several movies in the past month two months that have flopped hard at the box office i know the fall is really a tough time to get people to go to the movies and we'll see if that's going to hold with black adam we'll see if that actually holds as far as tough going to the box office or if they will come out to see a movie your thoughts on this, my friend, because right now, again, it's tough times for a lot of movies at the box office. You know, gee, I've, I've, I've said it before on this show. I've said it on, on Dig on America. I've said it to anybody that listens. It's, it's a tough time to be in the cinema business right now. The truth of the matter is, was, and is going to continue to be that we consume media differently now. And we're going to go and spend our time in a movie theater. We're going to want an experience that we can't really get at home. And yeah. The truth of the matter is a lot of the films that are are flopping, if you will, are not experiences that we need to go to the cinema to have, unfortunately. I don't need to go to the cinema for a, a, a rom-com. I don't need to go to the cinema uh, for those. The way, was it Scorsese that said that uh, the, the way the cinema or like what Marvel's doing, it was some director, I want to say. That Mar- what Marvel's doing is ruining cinema. Yeah, who was that? Was that Scorsese? No, I'm not sure if it's Scorsese. He was the one with the thrill ride. He's the one that did compare to thrill ride. I don't know if he has that, okay. but I have heard that quote out there. I don't think he's wrong. What what Marvel has done to cinema has made cinema need to be a big box office event, right? And mm-hmm. for us to go to us to spend the money to go to a theater to see something on the screen. We want to get an experience that we can't get at home. And a bombastic lights, explosions, fight scenes, action, 
that type of stuff, the feeling, the adrenaline rush, that that catharticism that you feel watching those type of movies and those type of uh, scenes on a screen, on a big screen like that, those are feelings that people want to pay for. Those are experiences people want to pay for and, and, and are excited about experiencing. Unfortunately, when you have movies that are not that anymore, you really don't get the same level of excitement. Um, you don't get the same desire like I, I i'd be lying to you if i said i have no plans to see black adam that is a lie i plan on seeing black adam probably at least twice black panther i plan on seeing that twice like there are movies that i have linked on my calendar that i know for a fact that i'm going to see a lot of the movies that you just mentioned i didn't even know they came out so i'm saying that to say there's a certain there's a certain style now unfortunately that that is attracting moviegoers. And it, it's not those kind of movies. It's movies that are going to give you an experience that you really just cannot replicate at home. And as awesome as it is to have a booming surround sound system for these action films, it does not take, it does not replace watching it on a big 50 or 100 foot screen. Like it, it's, there's no feeling like it. There's no feeling like going and watching Endgame in an IMAX theater. There's nothing that can compare to that. So, if I'm going to spend money on an experience, I want an experience that I cannot replicate. I cannot get at home. And with these films, they're just not giving me those same feelings, unfortunately. So I have to imagine that as moviegoers are becoming more sophisticated in what they want to spend their money on, they're saying the same thing. Like, Listen, I want to go ex- spend my money on experiences. With this, this pandemic has taught us that I can get a lot of the experiences, a lot of the movies that I used to go see in the theater, I can get those at home. If I'm going to go to the theater, I want something that I cannot replicate at home. I agree with you, my friend. I mean, when you have these big screens with the Ultra 4K that can do a lot of things as far as recapturing a picture, you know, a rom-com or a drama which doesn't have the you know blistering special effects or doesn't have the, like you said, need to have that type of cinematography or Mm -hmm. those type of glaring things that are supposed to be a eye-catching spectacle if it's just a straight-up movie if you're looking at a drama or something as far as just from a pure acting sense maybe it's not necessary to go to the movies these people Mm -hmm. are now the technology that we have the fact that streaming outlets are are putting out these things as far as high quality it is changing the movie tastes are changing but I'm not necessarily blaming it 100% on these superhero movies or Marvel or DC or whatnot. I understand the ones that you mentioned that you're going to go point out happen to coincidentally be superhero movies. But <laughs> I, I'm also going to, you know, it's a shared blame. Yes, the mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe has changed the way a lot of people view movies and going out to experience these movies. But also mm-hmm. I think it's is partially because of the way that, that our tastes have changed. And mm-hmm. as Josh Peterson said himself way back when, we, he saw the market changing as far as streaming and everybody wanted to go ahead and create their own streaming outlet. It just shows that you've got to commit to one or the other. And right now, they're more committed, I think, as, a, as an entity. The entertainment industry is more committed on producing something for streaming. And the lack of emphasis now on the movie part of it, is, as far as at least for the box office industry part of it is now the re- one of the re- main reasons why I think as well that that most people are just staying at home they're paying their 15 20 dollars a month which is probably like you know right in the range of what you pay for a ticket for a movie mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. you get a month's worth of content exactly. so and if you put it on an eight, 70 inch screen or a 60 inch screen or an 80 inch screen to them, it's just for like it's pretty said, close. It's yeah. pretty close to what they yeah. already have already. So yeah, absolutely, man. The the people are becoming more sophisticated in the way that they're spending, and they're saying, if I'm going to spend money, I want to spend it and do with it and get as much out of it as possible. Like you said, uh-huh. fifteen dollars gets you a streaming service versus a ticket at the movie theater, so I can watch all these movies and streaming services and, and shows and whatever else comes with it for the same price that I pay for a movie ticket. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't equal up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have think there's I think it's a shared reason why you're seeing a lot yeah. of these failures. But I think going forward, the entertainment industry needs to understand how to market these films, but also should they put these films in a box office format or should they just go ahead and 
sell these more to streamers up front, get the money up front with streamers, and maybe they can find out whether or not they have a movie that's truly going to be followed by an audience. Because, you know, just because these movies are box office fairs doesn't mean that they were actually bad movies or movies that people don't want. Right. I think the problem is right now, again, it's the the atmosphere. People just don't want to go ahead and check out movies right now unless they really, like you said, an experience or an event that they really want have to go ahead and check out. It must it must be a must-see event for them to go ahead now to go to the movie theaters. Yep, absolutely. It changes the game, man. It does change the game indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on the box office with Smile? That seems to be what people are going to right now. So smile for smile as it holds on to a nice holdover at $17 million here at the U.S. box office. But Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile only getting about $10, $11 million at the box office. But the big failure this weekend is Amsterdam. And unfortunately, a lot of people have a lot of explaining to do with the failure of that movie plus a few others. But what are your thoughts right now on the box office? And what does it take for you to go ahead and check out a movie these days at the movie theaters? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friends, speaking of Marvel and an event type deal, Marvel has a special presentation, and smartly, they did not put it out in the movie theater. They put it out on Disney Plus this past weekend in Werewolf by Night. So this ode to the universal as they say the universal movies of the past with the horror movies like frankenstein dracula like you know werewolves and all that this was a nice ode to those movies the way it was shot the i mean it's still shot in digital but the way it was transformed into a 1930s movie with the film grain and the film burns the cigarette burns the if you've ever checked out old movies from the day, the burned marks that are left when they mm. there's a transition from one scene to another. I mean, it just the detail was really awesome to see, but the story itself lends itself. I, I will say that I enjoyed what I saw. It was a pretty good story. It does have a future as far as the dark side of the MCU coming up. It explains itself as far as that there's another world, another universe that needs to be explored. Could we get some more Midnight Suns action? Could we get Mm -hmm. some more darker side of the MCU? Your thoughts on this, my friend. I give it a solid thumbs up. I really thought it was good what I watched. I thought that the characters involved were really good. But your thoughts on this? I know you haven't had a chance to see it, but are you intrigued by Werewolf by Night? Did have a little bit of gore to it, which was nice of kind of a nice edge. It is not for the kids, I don't think, I would say, even though... Again, it's black and white, so all you're getting is like black ink on the screen. But right. your thoughts on Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus? Well, you know, like you said, G, I haven't I haven't got the opportunity to watch it myself. But here's what I can say: I'm excited that Marvel is willing to take these risks. And what I mean by risks is, like you said, I I, I don't think, and just from watching a little bit that I've watched as far as previews are concerned and hearing what people have said, I definitely don't think it's for the children. And the beauty of the fact that it's not for the children is that Marvel. And finally, Disney recognized the fact that these are characters that we grew up with. These Spider-Men, the Wolverines, the Blades, the X-Men, all these guys, we grew up with these guys. We're talking like 50s, 60s, 70s. These are characters for generations before the kids now. So these characters didn't come out in 2020, 2010, 2000. These are older characters who appeal to our parents, ourselves. So these are characters that we've grown up with we're more mature now. We can handle content with these characters that's more of a mature nature. That's really why I secretly, I shouldn't say secretly, I've talked about it before, but I actually really enjoy She-Hulk. I enjoy the fact that they're willing to explore aspects of the MCU with her that they typically haven't, that she openly has uh, relationships with people and that she it's 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 almost like a, a romantic com, almost like another rom-com uh, with a judge and, and a jury, but they're willing to take risks. They're willing to touch things that they wouldn't normally touch, especially if you're thinking of the House of the Mouse. You're thinking of Disney. Disney is all lollipops and rainbows and and Bambies and Mickey Mouses. And the truth of the matter is that people's tastes are changing and we're becoming more sophisticated in what we like. And and the tides are turning. So they're starting to see that we can we we want, we crave more adult content. There's only so much Paw Patrol 
cocoa melon. There's only so much baby shark that I'm willing to consume. I want adult media. I want adult entertainment. I don't want to watch anything that's X-rated. I want to watch something that, as an adult, I can relate to. As an adult, that I can sink my teeth into, for lack of a better term, and get some enjoyment out of it. But what are your thoughts out there on Werewolf by Night? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. My friend, the back half of the show is coming up right now. It's TJ Johnson along with me, Gerald Glassford. TJ Johnson stepping in for Josh Peterson. Truly appreciate you doing so. It's great to have you back, my friend. Absolutely. Do, 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 do. It's that time again where we talk about Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. In episode eight, we saw in the previous episode Mount Doom, although it wasn't called Mount Doom at the time, destroying the Southlands, just laying waste to everything. And then we see the aftermath of that in this week's episode with every just the whole area covered in ash and galadriel is just like oh man what happened did i mess up oh man (laughs) she had that look she was she was ticked off the entire episode because she felt like she blew it and well you know she kind of did but everybody else there you know hey they didn't get the job done they thought they did and they let their guard down for just a little bit and uh, wouldn't you know the creation of Mordor is part of episode. I love at the very end, they just don't tell you until the very end. They're talking, the orcs are coming up to Udor. What should we call this place? Don't want to call it the Southlands anymore. And he's like <laughs> thinking about it, but they, he doesn't say it. They just tell you at the very end, they show like a title card at the very end goes from changes from Southlands to Mordor. Mordor. Absolutely. The other big reveal is that in the Mines of Moria, the dwarves and the elves could not come to an agreement on sharing Mithril. So before the before Elrond is kicked out of the Mines of Moria and he's kicked out of the land of the dwarves, you do get a reveal that actually the Balrog at the bottom of the very bottom of the Mines of Moria is actually awake. There's some danger ahead for the dwarves, as we know, if you read the stories or you understand from the Lord of the Rings, you've watched the movies, you know that the dwarves, unfortunately, meet their doom, their own doom at the hands of the Balrog. So your thoughts on this, my friend, I think that people that were talking about the pacing early on, as far as the character adaptation, as far as a little bit on the slow side, it's picked up. I've had a great time either which way with it. I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. But your thoughts on Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, Episode 8, and the creation of Mordor. Gee, I'm right there with you, man. We talked about this. You remember when we, when we talked about WandaVision and how people mm-hmm. consume media differently and having to realize that we're making a jump from movies to television? And it, it's a series now. So it changes the pace. And we have to understand and be willing to be along for the ride and 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 allow the pace to naturally kind of progress and i think when you're establishing a world and especially a world that's so rich as lord of the rings right when you're having to establish that world and go places that haven't been gone before but has such a rich history as far as cinema and media in general you have to use trepidation you have to use pacing you have to use because we all know what to expect it's almost like watching uh one of my favorite films is rogue one I love Rogue One, but it does not change the fact that when I watched it the first time, you know exactly how it's going to end. You know they're going to die. You know that the plans for the Death Star are are, are going to be finalized and that, you know, obviously Luke Skywalker is going to make the, the shot of the century and all that stuff you already know. So this is all just filler, right? But it still has to tell a story. It has to give us reason to be invested. And this episode was a perfect a perfect setup and a perfect kind of payoff to that slow build. You have a slow build, you have a slow build. So when the big things happen, they are impactful. If everything, if you're always foot to the foot to the floor, pedal to the metal every time, 
it's just not going to have the same emotional impact. Tell me you didn't have hairs on the back of your neck stand up when they changed that title card to Mordor. It made you it made you feel something. And that's what we're looking for as fans, as consumers of media. We want to feel it has been so long since we felt anything. We want to feel. And those type of moments are only punctuated when you have moments of slowness, when you have moments that are a bit less aggressive and you have to allow the story to build. I'm a huge fan of um, of Michael Jackson. And just just bear with me. On when they were on tour for the This Is It stage, uh, This Is It tour, and he was setting and he was setting up, and they they wanted to jump to the next part of the song. He said, "No, you gotta let it sizzle. You have to let it sizzle. You have to let it like permeate, and you have to let it cook, and you have to let them crave it and let them want it, leave them wanting, leave them wanting. And then when it's at a fever pitch, then you give them something else. So a lot of these shows now are starting to catch on to the fact that you gotta kind of have a slow." gradual build to that big payoff at the end because that's what makes those big payoffs worth it so i'm saying all of that to say this was probably one of the strongest episodes of the series so far obviously i was i was i was a fan of the premiere and everything else has been good it's been good i haven't disliked any of it but this was by far the strongest episode since the premiere and it's does that because it has something to build on with the prior episodes and now you're getting into the part where we're becoming even more familiar now you're having people who are just casual right you have your you have your hardcore fans almost like song of ice and fire fans you have your hardcore fans who are gonna know all these characters and gonna be able to tell you everything about this person or that person and that's great but for the casual fans who may not be as adept with the material with the lore of of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Now they can become invested because everybody knows Mordor. If you've watched any of the Lord of the Rings, you know what Mordor is. And so there's the connective tissue. So now not only can the people who read the literature be excited, the people who don't read the literature, but consume the movies, consume the, the action figures, the video games, now they can be excited too because they have a connective tissue that they may not have had for the first five or six episodes. They may have took a while to get there, but now they're there. And if you stick with it, like anything else worth having, if you stick with it in the long run, you're going to have vindication. You're going to enjoy it. You just have to give it time to percolate, time to sizzle. This episode was a payoff. I agree. I, I liked what I see it this weekend when they were at New York Comic Con. They hinted that they've already hired an actor who will play Sauron. So I know the speculation that everybody's being thought of on the show as being the next Sauron. So how does that play in if you already hired? I, I want to know this. In fact, there could be the fact that they could reveal on the mm-hmm. final episode, the season ending episode of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, that Sauron is, may appear. So hmm, I'm trying to figure this all out with Lord of the Rings. Hopefully it'll come to fruition on exactly what that will be. But I know mm-hmm. the speculation has been rampant on that. But you mentioned before we get to Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, something I know you really want to talk about. <laughs> you mentioned Rogue One being your one of your favorite movies. Yes. How are you doing with Andor? Because I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm enjoying Andor too. It's an it's another series like we're talking about where you already know how it's going to play out. So now you're just getting to enjoy this 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 role. And what made Rogue One so special to me is with all the prequel Star Wars films, right? We got a whole lot of everything that a whole lot of the things that people said that they loved about Star Wars. So we got a ton of lightsabers. We got a ton of big battles. We got a ton of of war. And I mean, we understand the galaxy was on fire. We get it, right? What made Rogue One special was it was quiet and it showed that there was more to this war than Jedi and Sith. It showed that there were more lives at stake. There were bigger, there were other things that happened that didn't necessarily come from a lightsaber. And then when they did show the lightsaber, they made that thing scary. They made that hallway scene where Vader came through and ripped everyone to shreds. That that was the 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 best depiction of Vader at his full strength other than um, if you play Jedi Fallen Order, fighting that 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 last battle against Vader that you didn't yeah. even realize was going to happen, that those moments really made you clinch up and like, oh my goodness. So I'm loving Andor. Um, I'm loving where they're going with. I'm loving just understanding more about that particular time period in Star Wars in, in Star Wars history. It's a great show. It's exactly what I'm coming to expect from Disney Plus. 
and these these new ways to consume Star Wars. Obviously, I was a huge, huge fan of Obi-Wan. So I'm really liking what they're taking these serialized approaches to telling Star Wars lore and stories. Well, I'm glad to hear that, my friend. I think Andor is, is pretty, pretty good watch for me. I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. This mm-hmm. last episode was kind of a filler episode, but I'm expecting yeah. more as far as once the heist goes and what happens from there. But yep. liking what I'm seeing so far from Andor and also from Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. You have thoughts out there on both? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we hit the break, my friend, Game of Thrones, I know you've been all over social media praising <laughs> it. I'm thinking it's okay. I, I've, I've said it's okay. It's, it checks the boxes. It does what it needs to do. It checks all mm-hmm. the boxes for all the Game of Thrones fans. Check, 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 check. Right, mm-hmm. upon, right along the side as far as does what it needs to do. Political intrigue, the debauchery, mm-hmm. the violence. You know, mm-hmm. does everything that it needs to do. Got everything from the Game of Thrones playbook done beautifully it's great so that's why it's garnering 30 million people watching it each and every week across all the hbo networks your thoughts on the time jumps because we went through it in episode seven a 10-year time jump mm-hmm. and for this upcoming episode we're going to go through another time jump mm-hmm. and while it doesn't affect some of the characters there are other uh, ancillary characters minor characters Obviously, with the Targaryens, there's a little bit as far as being affected on there. Obviously, with one major character, it is affected as far as her growing up into more of a powerhouse in the Targaryen household. Your thoughts on this in regards to the time jumps? Have they been needed? Have they been necessary? Were you sad when individuals that were part of the past could no longer be part of the future of Game of Thrones House of the Dragon? Hmm, that's a that's a strong question. And even knowing that you were going to ask that question, I'll put it to you like this: I don't mind the time jumps. Let me let me start off by saying that I think the time jumps are are important, and I think they're they're very necessary. And here's why: I remember back in the early two thousands, a show called Heroes, and the initial premise of that show was to not go with the same people. And to have it from different perspectives for different seasons, right? Mm-hmm. They got so attached to those actors and actresses that they said, nope, we're going to stick with them. And the problem with that is that they, they kept with them and it started to get stale. Okay. So now we fast forward to Game of Thrones, the original Game of Thrones, based off the Song of Ice and Fire. And we start off with the Starks and now we stay with these same characters who now we have to suspend belief and think that they're you know, they're, they're, they're kids when they first start off on the show. Now, granted, they look like children, but they're really 18, 19 years old. They're adults, but they look like kids. So we, they, they let it slide for the most part. And then we're, we're with them for 10 years, 10 literal years of our lives. So we're with them for a literal decade, and we're going through these stories with them. But there are so many things happening. And so we have to suspend belief about time jumps and, and where this part takes place. Well, Jon Snow doesn't look any older Arya doesn't look much older. Sansa doesn't look, you know, like we have to believe these different things. I think it becomes, and then and then the actors and actresses become almost as big, if not bigger, than the roles that they're playing, right? So yeah. Kit Harrington could not go anywhere without being approached as, as, as Jon Snow and without people talking to him about him. And, and he, he couldn't live any other existence, if you will. The same can be said if you were to take that same approach to House of Dragons. But because they've aged the characters up appropriately, right? So now we're telling a story, and in stories you have time jumps. So now you, you're taking away the fact that we have to suspend our belief and go along with this person who now we have to believe is 10 years older than what they were when we just seen them an episode ago. And even though they look the exact same, it allows us to just enjoy the show and enjoy the moments that we're in. I personally like the time jumps. Uh, I think you're hitting the important plot beats that need to be hit uh, because I can go back and watch Game of Thrones and watch every episode because I love Game of Thrones, right? But if I'm being honest, there are tons of fill. There are filler episodes. There are episodes that don't really, while they advance the story, they advance the plot, you could have probably done that in about 10 minutes as opposed to pulling it out to an hour, pulling it out to an hour and five. So when you have those type of moments in the the stories and in the book, just just skip them. Just give us a quick synopsis of what's going on. It has been 10 years since blah, 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 blah. It has been 
five years since blah, 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 blah. Here's where we are now. We are in the verge of civil war. Go. And allow us to just be in there in that moment and allow these, these actress, actors and actresses to be the age of the characters that they're representing and not have to be 10 years older or 10 years younger or whatever the case may be. Just allow yeah. them to, to allow us to not have to suspend our belief because let's, let's be honest, in that first, it was a, maybe second episode when King Viserys was having to find another wife and that little girl was presented to him as a potential wife and he was like no we all collectively said absolutely not this little girl looks like a little girl there's no way that in our minds we would be accepting in this day and age of that type of union but it doesn't change the fact that that might be things that they did back in the day right so in in, in years prior that might have been something that they did we can't see it now because that's just not the world that we live in and we're not with it but that's how it was and so for it to be depicted in that way it makes it a little more real to me if that makes any sense i actually i I really enjoy the time jumps i think that they're a vital part to storytelling when done correctly and in situations like this where they're aging up the characters be it by getting different actors and actresses to play these roles i think they're doing it effectively so when it's done right it's it's good what are your thoughts out there on the time jumps for game of thrones house of the dragon tj likes it do you like it too? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, almost on the way through another great episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos, Mario... The Super Mario actually animated movie sponsored by Nintendo, endorsed mm-hmm. and blessed by Nintendo, came out last week with a trailer. The first trailer for the movie, That's the animated film, is coming out next year. It's featuring a lot of big stars, the biggest of which is actually Chris Pratt playing the role of Mario. Everybody is lauding Jack Black in his role of King Bowser. Everybody loved his performance so far, what they've seen. Mm-hmm. Chris Pratt playing Mario. It's been very, I should, what's the kindest word I can say? Divisive. How about that? Divisive. Okay. How is Chris Pratt's voice for you on that? Yeah. Let's just yeah, go yeah. and just let's, that. let's start. Okay, we'll start with that. While he didn't wow me, once they said Chris Pratt was going to be the voice of Mario, I recognized the fact that they were going to pretty much ditch the Italian plumber shtick once and for all. We knew him as an Italian plumber, and obviously the let's go and you know, it's Mario. We know that voice and we, we can associate that with We Mario. all can do that voice. We all can do that voice, right? We all can do that. But we also knew that with Chris Pratt, it probably wasn't going to be that way. So I enjoyed the trailer for what it was. Obviously, yes, I agree. Jack Black was awesome. I'm looking forward to it in the same way I'm looking forward to Jim Carrey and his role as robotic, even though I think he's He's done with it because he's retiring from acting from what I've heard. I don't know. But did Chris Pratt do it for me? Uh, No, he didn't do it for me. But it's more to Mario than just his voice. I want to be enthralled in the world of the Mushroom Kingdom. I want to be enthralled in the battle between him and Koopa. I want to be, I want to get to know Princess Toadstool. I want to be involved in more of this world other than just Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt in the form of Mario. Because that's essentially what he is. And I kind of agree with you now that you're bringing it up because, you know, someone trying to do an Italian, it's me, it's tomorrow throughout a two hour movie. That'd be, yeah. If, nobody, if, if everybody else in the cast is not playing to that character mm-hmm. that they're dealing with. And it would only be it's a me, it's a Mario for two hours. I get it. It would be just it would stick out there. Yeah. But Chris Pratt's voice with this, <laughs> it's just not meshing for me. And I know it's not meshing for a lot of other people, but again, that's just it's to your taste. Mm-hmm. But 
I really think that they could have gotten someone different, a different actor, yeah. maybe probably a little bit better suited for it. But again, Nintendo, they see Chris Pratt, they see what he's made as far as with Star-Lord, and they see what he's done with Jurassic World, and they've seen what he's done and all the successes, and they think that they throw his name up there, and it's going to be a success. What I'm worried about is if this movie tanks, it's going to be a third, you know, a second strike for them, and they'll never return to movie making again. They're looking for the Lego movie Chris Pratt. The Lego movie Chris Pratt was awesome. He was energetic. Yeah. He was pumped up. It was everything that we were looking for in a family fun entertainment film. And we got a brief snippet. Let's be really, really, really fair and really clear about the prism that we're looking in. We got a very, very brief snippet of him walking into a world that he's never experienced before as far as Mario, right? So just if we're looking at it, Mario's going into this world that he's never experienced. He doesn't know anything about what's going on. There's no excitement yet. Right now, he's just like, what the heck happened? Like, I'm in this place and I don't know how I got here. So let's give it a little bit more time to percolate. Let's let it sizzle a little bit and kind of see if maybe his evolution in this character kind of happens on screen. Because right now, we've only got a little bit of a taste. The only film I ever wanted to see Nintendo make was a Metroid film. That is the only film I've ever wanted to see from Nintendo. I don't want a Legend of Zelda. I didn't want a new Mario Brothers. I didn't want any of those because I'm enjoying those. Certain media is perfect for certain formats of, of consuming it, right? So yeah. Zelda is a perfect video game because it, 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 there's, there's so much to explore, but you make the character yours, right? Mario Brothers is a great a great video game because you make the character, I mean the character kind of is, he just has a, a basic moveset, but it's 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 great escapism. It's great to just have fun. I, I the only movie I ever really wanted to see from them was as a Metroid film. And that's because I think of the aliens, I think of all the other sci-fi films that have done so well that that would be the only film I'd want them to touch. I didn't particularly want a Mario Brothers film. I don't want a Zelda film. So I guess I'm saying all that to say, if they don't make another film, I'm okay with that. Because quite frankly, we didn't ask for this in the first place. I don't remember there being a petition to make a new Mario Brothers film. Yeah, But I remember us asking and begging for a Metroid film. I've been begging for a Metroid film forever. <laughs> we still haven't got one yet. So uh, if they choose not to, I'm okay with that too, but we have to we have to give this guy a chance. He's earned that from us. If if they if they can make the guy from the office or not the office, the guy from uh, Parks and Recreations a superhero, we, we 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 can give him a break. We can give him a break. Come on, come on, pop culture cosmos. We can give him a break. He's earned a chance, and we'll see. It'll come out next year, <laughs> and we'll see if actually he'll be able to go ahead and lead this movie to success. We'll get a better idea of exactly how his character is fleshed out. So, yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely give him a chance. But what are your thoughts up there on the upcoming Super Mario movie next year with Chris Pratt in the lead role of Mario? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Almost out of here, my friend, but two last things. Travis Touchdown has returned. People are like, who? No More Heroes 3. If you're a video game enthusiast, a gamer per se, you know who Travis Touchdown is. As No More Heroes 3 lands this week, wanted to go ahead and highlight it because it's something we don't normally cover, something that seems to go under the radar for everybody, yet it's still coming out with its third iteration. It's not a super hit by any means, but it's something that has done well enough that, hey, it's garnered a third iteration. I think it's Suda51 is the individual mm -hmm. that is responsible for creating mm -hmm. this whole Travis Touchdown No More Heroes series. Your thoughts on No More Heroes 3 before we head on out? I don't really care, Gerald. I'm going to be honest with you. You're all like other people. Yeah, I was never into the No More Heroes series. I played the first one on the Wii, and it was a lot of fun for what it was. But it was also fun because it was on the Wii. So yeah. the experience of motion control and feeling like you're doing that, almost like you had a lightsaber yourself, right? That experience was a whole lot of fun. There are some games that sit with you. Metal Gear Solid, the entire series, sits with me. Legend of Zelda, that series sits with me. Mass Effect that you have a poster of in the back, multiple posters of in the back. That series sits with me. That is my series. No More Heroes is not on my radar. I, I, I never cared. I never really wanted to know the backstory of Travis Touchdown and how he got to be who he was and and what he decided to do to change. I don't, I don't, I really don't. If it wasn't about decapitating heads and, and chopping up, then 
I hate to not give you much on that one, but I, I really don't care. <laughs> well, hey, it is coming out this week for not only the Switch, but unlike the other times around, especially in the first one, it's coming out for the PlayStation and Xbox. So, hey, let us know. No more Heroes <laughs> 3. They're for you. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. But last but not least on the video game scene before we head on out is the future of CD Projekt Red in them announcing to shareholders their life story up ahead, including three different variations of The Witcher, one upcoming sequel for Cyberpunk 2077, and a new IP which is yet to be named. So your thoughts mm. on this as the future of CD Projekt Red is mapped out before we head on out. Uh, Gerald, I'm excited. Listen, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I was one of the ones who bought Cyberpunk at full price when it first came out. No, you mentioned it on the show. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I think it had bugs and it had things that were messed up, but when I bought it, it I played it on the Series X. So granted, it was an Xbox One title and I played it on the Series X. So that obviously helped it. And, and I agree with uh, 90% of the people saying that, yes, this should have been a next-gen only at the time title. And it shouldn't have even gone the way of going with the current gen at the time. I agree with this. So I'm saying all that to say, I can't wait for the next Cyberpunk 2077 or maybe it's 2078 or 2070. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. But the next Cyberpunk I'm looking forward to, and I think CD Projekt Red has already built up enough goodwill from the Witcher series to weather the storm that was the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. And for all intents and purposes they did, over the last week, they've had more players playing Cyberpunk 2077. Granted, I'm sure the Netflix Edge Runner show had a lot to do with that. People wanted to kind of dive into that world. But yeah. the fact of the matter is this, in very much similar way to No Man's Sky, they've worked on the game. They've evolved it to a point where it's where they wanted it to be. And there's a rich world there if you allow yourself the opportunity to go in there and play it. They've made updates to the user interface. They've made updates to the game mechanics. They've made updates to the bugs and the animations. And there's so much that they put under the hood and that they've worked hard for. And you have to realize they've talked about Cyberpunk 2077. That game was in gestation for, what, 15 years? So for a game like that that takes forever to come out and then for it to be completely lauded when it does would break some people. I mean, I could see that easily breaking a lot of spirits. And they stayed and they kept fighting and they just say, you know, what? we're going to make this game as best as we can. We recognize a lot of things that we didn't do it correctly. And you appreciate transparency like that. I appreciate transparency like that because like the old saying goes, a delayed game will eventually be a good game, but a bad game potentially be bad forever. I'm looking forward to a sequel. And Obviously, I've talked about The Witcher on here before. That is easily probably one of my favorite games of the last 10 years, right up there with the OG Mass Effect series. I'm enjoying it. I can't wait. I'm a fan of CD Projekt Red. I really am. They've earned enough goodwill as far as I'm concerned that I'm willing to pay full price for a good experience with CD Projekt Red. What are your thoughts out there on the future of CD Projekt Red? I'm liking it, and I know TJ is too. Like he said, need to go ahead and have patience and learn from the mistakes that was made with Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. As long as they do, things will be bright for the future for CD Projekt Red. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a fantastic episode. I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to stop by to share the latest and greatest in pop culture. Any last thoughts before we head on out? I haven't been able to play a lot of games lately. It's been very disappointing, very, very, very sad. I know, I know, because I have young children who take up my television, and I bought a nice big television to watch, and I spent a lot of time watching Coco Melon, the stuff that I mentioned earlier in the show. But what yeah. I did do, what I did do, Jed, I bought myself a Steam Deck. Let me tell you, it has been a game changer for me, and I think it's been a game changer for a lot of people being able to still stay connected to the gaming community while still being a parent. And having my big screen occupied by my little people, I still get to have a little screen of my own and still get to stay connected and still get the game and enjoy a lot of the experiences. I'm telling you, I think the Steam Deck is an awesome piece of machinery. The price that you pay for how big it is, but how small and portable it is at the same time is fantastic. I, everybody calls it the Switch Pro or the, or the Super Switch or what the Switch should have been. Whatever you want to call it, I don't care. It is a fantastic machine. And I love it wholeheartedly. I love it. Hopefully I'll be able to get my hands on one. And I'm glad that you're enjoying it so much. I'm glad that you're taking the time to go ahead and check it out. And I'm wishing <laughs> you continued success with that. 
And of course, you know, you're always welcome back here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for TJ Johnson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.